The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. We got a lot of stuff to dive into from four commits to conference realignment and fall camp has just started. All that and more on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I am your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel as well as listening to wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. While you're here, please hit that like button, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. Don't think we deserve it. Please give us five anyway and gift it. So we've got some guests on here. I brought the gauntlet in because we're going to dive into a lot of great content, guys. I promise it's going to be another fun show. Of course, we've got Coop. And then we've got Jason from the Hall of Fame podcast. He, we're going to kill it and dive into some uh, OU football. So the main things we're going to talk about, like I said, is the four commits. We're going to jump into fall camp. And the fall camp is probably the thing I'm most excited about because why? We've got some nuggets coming down the line and then we'll wrap up with conference realignment. And so, gentlemen, how's it going? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. How you feeling? Hey, rocking. It's let's roll. Let's roll. We got so much fun stuff to talk about. Season's getting closer. Oh yeah. Hey, we've got like what four weeks until we've got true football, baby. We it is I am amped. And so first off, before I start, Jason, thank you. Coop, thank you. PG, thank you. Chris, thank you. Everybody's jumped on the show. I appreciate it. We hit ten thousand. Thank you all for the support, fans, viewers. Y'all have been dope. Y'all have pushed me. Y'all have got me excited more and more. So thank you. We appreciate the love. We hit the elusive number, baby. We are at 10,000. And so now the work actually kicks in. It's time to get the work. Robert, thank you. I appreciate that. It's time to get to work. So um, I do want to hear from y'all. There's a couple of things. First off, we're going to do a 10K giveaway. I've got some T-shirts I want to give away. Some Sooner uh, created T-shirts. I will have a link in the community uh, tonight after the show. All you got to do is fill out your information. We're going to do a uh, random drawing, and I'm going to ship out a shirt to uh, probably 10 of y'all. So I think it's a good guess I'm going to do. Do about 10 people. Uh, we'll have it shipped out and hopefully gets to you before the season starts. And... Then we're also going to work on an additional show during the week as we prepare for the season. I'm thinking Wednesdays. Y'all tell me which day y'all think is good, but I'm thinking Wednesdays is probably when we're going to launch something. So outside of that, gentlemen, let's dive into what's going down when it comes to Sooner football. Four commits. We had um, to start the week, it was Michael Patterson McDonald. Then we had Brendan Zerberg. Zerberg. Uh, the quarterback at Ohio. Then you came down the week. You had Brendan Kaiser, who was a preferred walk-on. And then you wrap things up with Josh Isosa, the offensive lineman, coming in from uh, Edmond Santa Fe. And I'm not going to lie, that was probably some um, huge – that's a huge week for us as we prepare for the other big names that's coming down the line. We've got a busy week coming up. So, uh, Coop, we talked about this a bit. Talk to me. These four commits, how you feeling? These guys, um, you know, w when you have the the names that we still have waiting for, uh, you know, in the wings and the dates coming up, uh, sometimes these guys get get forget get forgotten. And we talked about it, and, and I'll kind of rock right through it. Um, you start out with Bergen Kaiser and Josh Iasosa, Michael Patterson. These are guys from Oklahoma 
They're guys who are going to come in and they're going to fight their tail off. They're big effort guys. And uh, so you get in, get them in the weight program, get them in the good coaching. And uh, I mean, no offense to uh, Edmund Santa Fe and um, Carl Albert, like they, they're getting great coaching right now, but you get them into that college program and that's going to make a, I mean, a load of difference. Um, Zerbrug is a big pull because again, you don't want two quarterbacks uh, just tossing all the scout team, tossing everything, you know, you need reps to, you know, for uh, Levy to get in and have conversations with, um, mm -hmm. with Jackson and with Dylan. And uh, well, I guess Dylan won't be here at that point, but uh, you need another guy out there. Um, and, oh, you could pull a walk on. We could get, uh, you know, uh, just a random dude to come in here. Um, you know, if you just need somebody tossing around, you need quality. And so Zerbrug, he fits that because we're kind of lucky at this guy, at power five commit and you know it was syracuse at one point the northwestern um and now he is going to get the best quarterback coaching that he could potentially get so uh he adds that uh competitive depth behind the quarterback yeah and it's one of those things you need and i've, I've pointed this out a few times on the show and and even in videos as well as in the comments of that video i made is oh yeah also do me a favor get your favorite drink right now and every time you hear the words competitive depth take a drink or a shot we're going to see how well y'all survive the rest of this hour of the show <laughs> because there's going to be a lot. Every time you hear those two words, competitive death, take a drink. Yeah. So, but so, on the quarterback spot, Jason, I'm going to get past to you next. But on that, I was kept telling everybody is you don't want to end up like we did last year where you've got quarterbacks still trying to figure out the system and you want to throw them in the game. The biggest issue is is that, honestly, Levy's system as well as BV's system are pretty complex, and it ain't something you just walk in and learn like that. So that's why you are uh, – we, we want to make sure we have additional quarterbacks just in case. It doesn't mean anything about Michael Hawkins. It's just going to give him somebody to compete with. One of them may stick around longer than the other. And so, remember, Alabama took two quarterbacks last cycle. Um, and so we probably will take two quarterbacks again in a couple of years just so that, like I said, we maintain depth unless we get some transfers in. So, anyway, Jason, those four commits, talk to me. How are you feeling on it? I think the biggest part would be kind of what we've been talking about in the past a little bit about Oklahoma recruiting and making sure that you keep a lot of these in-state studs yeah. in-state um, and not letting them get off to Oki Light, too. Uh, I, that was something that BB talked about a lot last year, that, you know, it seemed like it, it hadn't been something of that was a – it wasn't something that Lincoln really did a ton of. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't something that was it was a priority for them it, when under the last regime. So mm -hmm. it is a priority for him. He thinks that any that the best guys in the state should stay in the state. You know, it, and if they are going to stay, it should be coming to Oklahoma. So that if that's important to him, that that I think that that builds that builds that depth, uh, the the competitive depth that we've been talking about. I'll take a drink after we're done here. Uh, but, uh, you know, that that's important. But I think it also that's a big part of the culture, right? You know, just mm -hmm. to bring these guys in, make sure they stay home. You know that you get homegrown uh, fans of the program that care about yeah. the fact that they're there. So I think that that's as big a part of it as anything else. Uh, you know, Patterson, <laughs> Michael, yeah, I mean, come on, man. This kid's a stud. It's fun. I think I, I saw so the more I've seen of him uh, – He's a big boy, man. You, you, you know, you can't. I think I heard you say yesterday you can't teach size, and you're right. You know, that's one of the things that's <laughs> so important. So, uh, 
I think the more of these guys that you get, even if they're not the four and five star guys uh, on on paper or whatever, which we know that that's not a complete science or anything like that. Some of these guys are yeah. slipping through the cracks, and and I think if he was in Texas, he probably automatically has another star right uh, for that size. So I just feel like it's one of those things that you know maybe coming from Oklahoma, you're kind of overlooked a little bit. But I think yeah. that it's important to keep these guys in the fold, and if. If this staff is evaluating them as good enough to be here, then I believe in that. Agreed. That's the biggest thing for me. It's if they like them, there's a reason why this staff goes after certain players. So I always keep that in mind mm-hmm. when looking at them. Um, has somebody mentioned something in the comments about um, something about Josh's ankles or something? I'm just like, mm, I kind of think that Beating Bo had an idea as to why he wanted him. So right. I don't argue with uh, Beating Bo's job. He does big things. And so. Four, four, four commits, three scholarships, one PWO. I think the PWO was the one that was that was really big to me, and we talked about this in the video, Coop. Um, he chose to come here and walk on a defensive end instead of going somewhere with a scholarship. He had offers. He had schools. I mean, Tulsa was one of them, you know, and a few others that, just, that gave him offers that he could probably go play at and get a scholarship. But he decided, nah, I'm going to walk on here and try to get uh, coached up, trained, you know, developed, and potentially be impactful. And so I like that this coaching staff is doing that. So um, thank y'all for pulling up. We appreciate it. Make sure you uh, hop in the comments. Let let us know what your thoughts on the uh, additions we've added to the team. You know, we are always excited about bringing in additional recruits. There are big dates coming up. Sorry, we're probably not going to talk about much of them today because the intel keeps constantly changing. And so because of that, we will put a pause on your Williams Winery stuff. We're going to put a pause on David Stone. We're going to put a pause on Caden Durham because what's today's date? The uh, six Caden Durham commits on the 12th. It's the 12th, right? Or is it 10th? It is 10th. It's the 10th. So we'll know before by the next live stream what's going on with him. Same thing with, um, with uh, probably – something going on with Veneri or whatnot. We'll have some better intel on Sunday to really talk through what we think the thoughts are going into Monday's commitment. And so we'll pause on them. I want to talk about fall camp. That's the reason why I wanted to get everybody on here. So I want the big gauntlet. Unfortunately, it was like PG and Chris couldn't pull up, which is fine, but that's what I want to talk about because what was it on? Um, gosh, Thursday, when we started to see some of the reports and the videos coming out, oh my goodness, oh, yeah. everyone, I I am not going to lie. I was a lot more excited than um, I probably should be about it because <laughs> watching everybody move around on practice, I was like, oh boy, we've got a good, uh, we've got a great looking set of players out there this year. All right, mm-hmm. so let's talk about that. Real quick, first and foremost, Cheetah Row, BV, in his presser was talking about the cheetah role and how the expectation is that Desan McCullough, of course, and uh, Justin Harrington are going to be playing that role, but also that you could see Bowman and Pearson pull into that role. Jason, what's your thoughts around that shift up we're seeing with, uh, Cheetah, as well as Sammy uh, Omosigo could potentially show up there. What's your thoughts on that? I've always kind of thought that Sammy was was kind of perfect for that role as well. But I, I 
I wasn't expecting the safeties, you know, to be to be cheetahs, to be honest with you. Uh, but I like the idea of it. You know, when you see the speed that both of these guys play with, uh, the ferociousness that Pearson hits with, and seeming to always be around the ball, no matter where it, whether it's in the backfield or in the you know defensive backfield, I think it's. I think it's pretty awesome. It's one of those things that I enjoyed hearing about that too. That was that was one of those things that you're like, whoo, you know, you start these just kind of imagining what you're going to see from that. Um, I think that when it comes to Peyton Bowen, it's probably one of those situations you just want to see the kid on the field, man. I don't think that you can afford to have him not on the field at times. Um, when you saw what he did in the spring game, I mean, K. Chris and I talked about that right after the game. I mean, for him to be able to track that that deep ball. The entire way, and a lot of DBs, a lot of corners at this level, you will see never get their head turned around for the ball. Not only did he run step for step, but he got it turned around, makes the interception on a deep throw. I mean, it, that was just one example of of what this kid could do. There's a reason he was a five star coming out, you know, and and so highly rated, and and why there was such a bidding war for him too, you know. So, yep, I think that no matter what, I think it's just a matter of. When you look at him and almost Siegel and stuff being freshmen, you just want to see him on the field, I think, you know? No, I agree with you there. And th- that was probably the biggest thing for me seeing is that you want your best players on the field and they're trying to find ways to do it. So it right. sounds like there's going to be lots of – may, we may actually play a four-man down quite often. That's what it sounds like. And I know a lot of people were, ha- were a little uh, nervous about that um, – you know, last season, you know, we were doing a lot of three-man fronts and it looks like we're going to do a lot more four-man fronts on top of Ooh. the nickel and dime packages, which lends you, you know, moving your safeties up to that cheetah row. Because I know that we all know that Pearson can hit and it looks like Bowen can hit too. And so if that's the case, good God, we're going to have a fun defense. Reggie Pearson was on the show and has already said that he anticipates top five defense. I'm going to be more conservative and say top 10, but I do think that we can have at least a top 25 defense. And if that's the case, I'm not going to lie. That's hardware. That's holding up somebody's hardware. Uh, Chris, what's up, man? Glad you got to join us, man. Welcome to the channel, man. Uh, We appreciate you pulling up with us. We're going to jump to you in just a moment, but Coop, Cheetah Row, what's your thoughts on those comments from BV? I mean, at first I thought, is this a little gamesmanship? Because now you've been, you know, touting Dasan McCullough and Justin Harrington. And everybody was pretty much just penciling in freshman All-American versus the guy who has been here for three years, has tried to leave multiple times. And, you know, we've, we've heard the, uh, we've heard the, hey, listen, we uh, we're you know, he's getting it. We've heard this, right? And, uh, but the more I thought about it, I just, I just sit here and think, like, so you, you throw those guys right over there um, and you have maybe a Peyton Bowen on the field too. From what it sounds like is, and again, this is very, very, very foreign to all of you fans. Not only is our safety room good, but our safety room is extremely multiple. And there is, uh, get your beverages ready, competitive depth. <laughs> Chris, we're uh, doing a drinking game. Every time oh. you hear the words competitive depth, you you, you got to throw one back. So, right. um, <laughs> but you got that. But uh, imagine a play where you've got a four down. You've got maybe a Robert Spears Jr. Uh, Jennings. You've got uh, Billy Bowman, Peyton Bowen, and Dasan McCullough on the field at the same time. Who's who's your what? Uh, you know, we talked to Colin Kennedy a while back. 
Colin was talking about how in some of the seven on sevens, Desan McCullough was dropping back as a safety, was dropping back and playing Ooh. safety. And just so again, if you've got uh, Peyton, who is not afraid to come up and hit a dude, you got Billy Bowman, not afraid to come up and hit a dude. Um, it, th- and then you've got guys who can play defensive back slash linebacker slash safety. Again, like what are you, what are, what are we doing here? So Brent Venables is going to throw an exotic look at you. That's why when when he has the chips that he needs to have, he's going to throw something at you, and you're going to go, "Well, that was different." And that's what that's what this sounds like to me. It sounds like there's positions uh, where we're playing kind of like the NBA right now, where you have positionless basketball. It's like we got a positionless back seven um, because these guys can be everywhere, and that also comes with a silent comment about the two starting cornerbacks. Cause you have to be able to trust them too, to have some of that exotic look. No, I agree. The straight up Chris cheetah roll, man. So BV mentioned in his presser and in one of the write-ups I saw that you're going to see, of course, McCullough and Harrington at your cheetah, but he mentioned Omasigo mm-hmm. has been working out a little bit there as well as Pearson and Bowen. What's your what's your feelings on that, man? What, what do you what do you what do you anticipate coming down the line because of that? Um, I mean, I, I I think early on in camp, I know at least not early on in camp, but early on when he got here, I mean that was that was something that people thought about as well for him to uh, play. I'm talking about Pearson. Um, you always thought about a guy like you know. Initially, we talked about it, um, uh, Jason. You remember we talked about Vickers probably being somebody who could yeah. who could play that as well. I don't think that yeah. BB is going to be scared to put guys out there uh, and mix it up. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we've made it this far into the show and having probably talked about Key Lawrence being factoring in to uh, not even not the cheetah role necessarily, but just the fact that you could literally go out there and have Billy Bowman. Uh, you can have uh, Key or you can have Pearson. Then you just kind of have your pick of the litter. How do you want to fit? that defense who's hot you know um i think it's really on harrington and and mccullough because i think you're going to see a lot of them but i i would mm-hmm. i would not be surprised if you see bv push mccullough down there to the edge where he's naturally really good at on those third and longs um you know kind of a fourth and long situation or whatnot fourth, fourth and five or whatnot they're trying to move the ball i think you would see him out there passing uh you know rushing the passer and I also think that uh, um, you know a guy like Harrington could, could he really could be your key piece, your X factor. But I think in the end you're going to see him switch it up. And let's say that there's a small you know uh, slot receiver or whatever that's moving around, then you know that's where where a guy like Reggie Pearson, uh, Bowen, or even maybe Asamigo, they make more sense. Does that make sense? So. No, 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 you know, you, you're, you're spot on. It, it, the, just the exotic looks that we're gonna see, I guess, th- is what excites me the most. Is yeah, there's a chance that, and and Corey popped in here with 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 a, with a good point that you know, I get what BB likes to run, four three more five two defenses, no three four crap. There's gonna be some three fours. Don't worry, you're gonna see some three fours, especially as he gets pit layers established. But the biggest thing about the way BB has played, uh, run his defense, especially at Clemson. Mm-hmm. is, you know, they mix it up, and it all depends on the personnel. We've got yeah. actual defensive line personnel that can play in a 3-4 and be really good, mm-hmm. right? But you know what I'm that, saying? That was, the, that was the point, though, like last year. BV, if you if you looked at the defense, they wanted to go to the 3-3-5 looking awful lot, 
uh, uh, especially like third and long, stuff like that. They wanted to kind of zone you up and play. There were certain parts of the defense that just weren't there. Iowa State game, it took Ethan Downs forever to finally catch that little slant that they were basically moving <laughs> out of the way. And he finally got that interception. Stutzman. Oh, that was Stutzman. That was Stutzman's yeah, interception Stutzman. that time. But yeah, yeah, that's Stutzman's interception. But yes. Then on Point top taken. of that, um, then on top of that, you got guys, it just feels like uh go to the Florida State game, it just felt like guys were playing in their clouds way too deep. You know, there's certain mm-hmm. parts of the defense that just weren't helping. But if you want to get down to the bottom of the, to the if you want to get to the nitty-gritty of the problem, because to be honest with you, those other two that I just talked about surface level, gotta have edge rushers. Got to have an edge yeah. rush. If you don't have an edge 100%. rush, there's no point in having your defense out there. It doesn't matter how deep they play in their clouds, how right Danny Sutton was to go to the place that, you know, he's being taught to go, but they're just moving him out of the way. The quarterback had too much time out there. So No, they, I, I, they, I, I, yeah. I agree. There's not enough pressure. We, we, yeah, we those two games, need more of that. Those two games right there are prime examples last year of kind of what would usually kill us because at some points – There'd be like three or four drives we string together. We're getting the quarterback. We're getting hurries at least. And then you got those one to two drives that are crucial where they're coming back, you know, and they're gaining momentum where you're just like, man, we can't rush the ball. We can't rush the pass. Yeah. At all. And that's that's the beauty of it is it doesn't seem like that's going to be the issue this year. You've got a lot of guys that are going to be able to get inside that backfield. Uh I mean, we didn't even – I mean, all this talk about that, and we didn't even talk about the missile, man, <laughs> the, the crimson missile, Lewis Carter. That's another guy that – I mean, he 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 seems like he's going to be one of those guys that's going to come through big in a lot of places too. I don't know if it will be necessarily be the cheetah position, but I would say that uh, this is a guy that gets from sideline to sideline quickly, uh, as we saw in that um, Under Armour game. And so, man, I'm pretty pumped about this defense more than anything else, it, you know. Well, even if they're in the top 30, 40 in the country, it's going to mean big things, you know? And that's fair. I, I put it like this. The the thing that, that to think about with um, that defensive line, and you said it right, Chris, uh, we didn't have the pressure we need to put on these quarterbacks. Right. We will have that now based upon the way these play. I mean, go look at the size. Somebody mentioned in the comments as well. You can go look at the way these players are standing next to coaches. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. These are big boys. We we look – when Bates said that coming here we had one defensive lineman over 300 pounds and now we've got like five, maybe six, or at least another one heading that direction, that to me was your game changer. It's like, oh, you've, you've got more rotational personnel that's actually at the size you need. And Schmitty gave him the athleticism to go with it, you know, putting that weight right. to work. Yeah, it's going to be a different game for us. And so we'll dive into defensive line in just a minute because there was a couple of players that really got highlighted. But I want to switch gears. I want to go to the offensive side of the ball real quick. Let's talk about this offensive line. So day one, Lebby gave us his offensive line depth chart right now. Mm-hmm. Left tackle, Walter Rouse. Left guard was a question mark. There was There's players competing for it. Center, Andrew Rhyme, guard, McKay Matower, right guard, and then right tackle was Tyler Guyton. As we've continued forward, the last observation at practice was, which was at the last practice, I think yesterday was, Rouse, Savion Bird, Rhyme, Matower, and then Tyler Guyton. Now, I know what a lot of you are going to say. 
I know a few of you, a few of you are going to be concerned at the fact that McKay Matower is going to be on the right guard. I thought about it similarly at first, but then BV said a statement that jumped out to me. One, you're going to see a different version of him. Two, he's healthy for the first time since he's been here. Let's go ahead and go around the panel on that. Coop, I'm going to start with you. Kay Matower at right guard. So many people are concerned, but adding him and Savion Bird, who looks really good right now, like really good size-wise, looks like he's put on the right type of size, still has his athleticism and explosion. How are you feeling about the way this offensive line is going to shape out? Early. Well, I think that, first of all, when um, Walter Rouse came over from Stanford, I think a lot of people thought he was just a plug-in guy. He was just going to help push something. And But the the reviews on him at this point, as far as, you know, we didn't get to see him in the spring, and that was a big piece. Um, a lot of people go back to the spring game, and they just watch that offensive line just get blown up on every single play. And we knew mm -hmm. that the defensive line didn't get that much better in that short of time. But that was more the um, the uh, the uh, togetherness of that offensive line, the, the the congruent nature that that needs to happen, and oh. we've seen it in OU football for years. When we start out, it usually comes around the Texas game that some really tough decisions have to be made, and that's usually why we struggled in the Texas game is because our offensive line um, just doesn't work together the correct way. Um, so now with Rouse in there, he is, I mean, he's a Stanford guy. So if you think that his football IQ is not high, uh, you haven't been paying attention to what Stanford means. Um, but he's big, he's <laughs> strong, he's going to be another draft pick. Um, yeah. Fat Sunshine, I know that everybody wants to maybe see him not be, at, you know, at that uh, right guard situation. Um, he is the Patrick Fields. He is the Justin Broyles of this team. He's like the one spot that nobody's excited about, but I don't think it's that situation now. It is a situation where he has the playing time. You know, he did have himself some good times before he came to OU. Um, I, I expect that the people that beat ball can trust the most are going to be on the, uh, the offensive line. And until someone comes and takes that job from him, that he's not going to get unseated. So, we need to see guys um, like uh, uh, Jake Taylor be really, really be pushing. We need to see guys like the, uh, is it the Everett kid, uh, Middle Tennessee Troy State, Everett. Troy Everett. We need to see those guys come in and push. Uh, Savion Bird is, he's nasty. And he just has to have the muscle and the push behind him in order to put that together. Um, I think with Savion, we're going to see a little bit this year. Uh, what we saw when we saw Cody Ford out there, you're going to get every once in a while an unsportsmanlike conduct because he's driving someone's ass 10, 10 yards downfield that it's going to happen. And I'm those ones, as long as it, you know, isn't a weekly occurrence, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Rame, this is his first year to where he has actually been able to participate in the offseason workouts. He's been hurt the previous two years. And so we hope to see him with a little bit of a step up. So I think that if those guys work well together, then you mix in guys like Caden Green. You mix in guys like Troy Everett. You mix in guys like Jacob Sexton, who is – I've mentioned this before, but I'm a Terrell Davis – I mean, a Broncos fan. So Terrell Davis, when he went down with his ACL, like that still is my head for an ACL injury. And, you know, because it ended his career. Well, now it's like six and a half months later and dudes are back in and going. And so he can he can build on that. I mean, they, they had him as a starter for, for a reason. 
And so we've got um, we've got a pretty good haul of offensive linemen right now. And these guys, what they need to do is just make sure that they're that they are number one pushing on that run. We are going to be a run heavy team this year, and that that's that's going to be it. When Dylan Gabriel does drop back, he's going to have options. And with the receiving core that we have right now, um, you know we're going to be able to loosen up the defense, throwing it side to side because of the speed and the uh, the short game that I think that we'll have. Uh- I like that. Chris, we'll jump to you on that one. What's your thoughts on that line? I know you've got some some opinions on it. Because the good thing is, is that as Coop mentioned, you still got Troy Everett. You've got that competitive depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's that you do have that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> got your competitive depth the, that's going to well, kick in and help everybody out. Up to five. So this is where I, I, I come in uh, with this right here is that whenever I approach the offensive line, I go back to the Lincoln days, right? So where it was said, it was stated, and it was overstated to the point where it became an over oversaturated statement of, is this the best five that play together, right? So, because that's BV style. I mean, not BV style, but that is uh, beating both style, and that's that's what I am just waiting to see if they gel. I mean, my biggest thing is is that I feel as though on that left side of the football, you're going to be very, very physical, mm-hmm. and on the right side of the ball, I think you're going to be pretty athletic simply because of Guyton. But I'm I'm still a little bit worried about Matoire. Because I've saw the, I've seen the inconsistencies. However, you know the common excuse obviously is is that hey, one first time he's been uh, been healthy, fully healthy. Second is you know he was trying to learn this offense as well as as, as a lot of other people last year as well. Um, my only thing with Matuire and my only thing with with both guards, to be quite frank with you. So with Tower and and Savion is uh, no, is the, not, you need not, to see consistently. Consistency. Well, it's not necessarily consistency. What I'm saying is, I, I need I need physicality. I, I need you to be yeah. physical because when you look at the run scheme, that's that, those two positions. I mean, those two guards right there are key in get setting up that first block, that initial block, the the, the main block that's going to get us uh, to where we're trying to go with our run game. The biggest worry that the biggest worry that I have with Matoire is simply this. Okay. Look at me, y'all. Let me come here. We're looking I'm, at you. I'm about, to, I'm, about to, I'm about to really throw y'all in with this one. Go ahead. Do not put Matoire out there if he's playing inconsistent or he's not being physical. Do not put him next to Rain because that spells disaster all over the place. Yeah. I'm sorry, but for the last three and a half years, Andrew Rain just has not cut the mustard for me. That's just my opinion. If nobody else agrees with me, I'll die on that hill by myself. But you cannot put Anybody that's not willing to play physical ball inside on that offensive line next to Rain, you yeah, have to Rain. put some hog mollies up, up there up front, people who are who are ready and willing to mix it up. Them dogs. Him looking good. You got to put some dogs next to him. That's the reason why I was calling for Savion the entire time because I was like, you got to put dogs next to Rain because Rain at some points, especially when he faces more those heavy athletic kind of nose tackles or just, you know, D-linemen in general struggle sometimes. So that's that's my biggest fear of women's I'm not – and I can't – I'm not going to disagree with you fully on it. Now, I've heard Andrew Rahm does have a mean streak in him mm-hmm. um, based upon practices. That, that's been reported as a reason, and that's 
what Schmitty and them have been trying to get out of him more. Beaten Bowls been trying to get out of him more. We need that nastiness that we know you can be. We've seen out of you. We need yeah. you to do that game day. Mm-hmm. And if he's starting to show that more and they're pushing out of him, then he may actually make you a believer. And I think Matower next to him, I, my only con- I think that the 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 plus side of Matower being on the right is that he's next to Guyton, who we know has a mean streak, and mm-hmm. we know who can recover very well. Ooh, the does. only fear I've had is that that's also Dylan Gabriel's blind side. So mm-hmm. yeah. I I worried about that, but I think Matower being healthy, I think he's ready to step up and be the guy we expected when he transferred in from Cal. So mm-hmm. I get you. I'm not going to even argue. I can't argue against you because you're, you're laying some facts out of what we've seen from the inconsistency on the line, but I'm pretty excited about – how that could look forward. And again, we've got competitive depth, y'all. We've got some good offensive linemen like Kate, uh, Caleb Schaefer, as well as Troy Everett, who can come in at the guard spot and shift in if we need to. So I think we're we're in a way better position because you said one thing, and I'm gonna pass this over to Jason next. You you said one thing that 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 I want to emphasize to OU fans as to why you will see a different product on the field this year. Everybody on the roster last year was trying to figure out this offense. You had 100-plus dudes plus every single offensive coach. Remember, Lebby did not bring anybody with him. Lebby was a solo brought over. Defensively, we lucked out. We had three defense, four defensive coaches come in with Brent Venables. And so, yes, they had more coaches to teach, but you still only had coaches and Dylan Gabriel teaching people this team, this offense and defense. Now you've got about 50 dudes that know it inside out because they've had a year of learning, studying, and researching and performing at it. That's why the team looked different at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And so you've got them teaching on top of the coaching staff teaching. That's going to make us a different animal of a team. You're going to see a more consistent consistent play. You're going to see better execution because they know what the bleep they're doing this time around. Jason, talk to me. Looking at that line, how are you feeling on it? You know, I think that you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, That was the biggest thing that I think people forget because they did have a top 15 offense last season that it's not the same offense that Lincoln Riley ran. Completely different, as a matter of fact. The blocking scheme, the the even just the the terminology that comes into it, right? Mm -hmm. And having to, and a lot of that goes on to that offensive line of having to gel together. And and I think that 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 came out of out of you or a little few minutes ago, you know, one of us said it. That, that's the biggest thing is you have to make sure that the offensive line, it's, it, you get some standout guys no matter what, you know, generally speaking, particularly from Bill Biedenbow offensive lines. But I think that the thing that, that we've seen the most out of him in his 10 years plus as the old line coach is that you saw the entire unit gels together. Well, and that kind of takes longer than everything else as you get a new unit in there, when you start having to move pieces around and stuff, they have to fit into their part. So will the certain, I mean, if you were expecting a certain guy here, a certain guy there, whatever it is, I think a lot of it, like you guys were saying is, is going to have to do with how are they fitting in into working as a unit? Because it's all about what the guy next to you does. I think Kate Chris kind of uh, alluded to that when and talking about you, if you're going to have a guy, uh, you know, like a, uh, what is it? How do you even say his name? Is Mature or Matower? Matower. Matower. You know, like you want to make sure that, yeah. that he's going to have the, you know, that dog in him, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's all about, you know, whether or not 
you know, you have to play off of the guy next to you. You, you, you one of you is going to take one guy, one of you is going to take the other. You've got different assignments. If you're not working well together, then holes open up. You get your quarterback hit. Um, yeah. Again, it's it's just a unit thing. So I think more than anything else, I don't know that there's a certain guy necessarily. I mean, obviously, Tyler Guyton has shown us that he's the real deal. I don't know what they were thinking about at TCU to let him get away. But, you know, awesome. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, First-round pick guy. We'll take it. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I also feel like a lot of these these freshman kids aren't, aren't no joke either. You can start talking about Caden Green, even yeah. Joshua Bates. You know, I think some of these guys are going to find places – as it goes along, but you don't want to have to rush them into anything if they're not getting it just yet. So I, I do feel like that whatever we find out, whatever we see that first couple of weeks out on the field, it's probably going to be the team that has gelled together uh, as a unit right there. And then, you know, they'll fill in as they need to, obviously, you know, because I mean, the line, you need depth there. Competitive depth is important. I'll take a drink. (laughs) But I it's mean, like seven who or eight. Who I know I'm about to have to go to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who worries about Bill Beatonbow, though? I don't. It's just one of those things that you expect that they're going to get it together at some point during the season. Even like last year, we were talking about it when you have to learn an entirely new scheme, and that included Bill himself. <laughs> you know, to to block it the way that 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 Lebby's doing it. Hey, at some point they were all going to come together, but it, it but mm-hmm. it didn't really happen until towards the end of the year, and you started kind of seeing everybody, uh, kind of coming through at that point. And I, I feel like you're probably going to see that earlier this season than you did last year. But again, I I don't concern myself too much with with the offensive line. I know I've said that a bunch on my show. I, the recruiting side of it, whatever, he goes and finds the guys that fit for him, and they work. So yeah, and even on that, we still. With a lot of these offensive linemen, we really – I don't – I think we only – I think Walter Rouse is the only one that actually has to leave next season. The rest could technically be here. Guyton plays the way that I expect Guyton to play. If he plays like he did when he played against Jared Verse in the bowl game, who was a top 10 draft pick, I will continue to emphasize this to you all. He was a top 10 draft pick and decided – Florida State convinced him to come back, which makes me terrified of Florida State this season, by the way, in the ACC. But I digress. Wolf. If he plays the way he did against him in that bowl game – yeah, Tyler's going to be a first-round pick. And at that point, we are probably going to end up losing him because of that because it only makes sense to go ahead and just take that money, especially as offensive linemen and getting banged up the way they do. You don't want to get hurt in college, you know, knock on wood, that we don't deal with that. But we that line is going to gel for the next couple of years. We still got young players. Troy Everett is young. I mean, he's what a technically a sophomore coming into this season. So, yeah, we've got a couple more years of him easily. Caleb Schaefer has an additional year after this season. Um, just about everybody on that line. Caden Green is in the two deep right now. You know, the freshman, he's in the two deep with uh on the route side, on the left tackle side. So And there's been talk time. about Bates too at center, right? I mean, they've had the uh, talk Bates, through, yeah. throughout the spring and stuff like that where Joshua Bates could get in there and, and end up playing some. And I mean, we've seen him. He's a big kid and he loves to play. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and Beatonbow is recruiting based upon what he needs now as well as for the future. And so we yeah. talked about this on the last show. Expect a lot of offensive line pickups in the twenty-five class more than twenty-four. So let's move. Um, let's move on to the next one. Up, oh, we got an off-topic question. I gotta go ahead and jump on this because this was a donation. Fifty bucks, Eric. Oh, wow. Thank you, man. Bless you for that. Off-topic, yes, but sir. how many more scholarships are available for OU? I calculated twelve. Am I wrong? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let me check. 
So I'm going to be honest. I don't know that number off the top of my head. I can find it and look it up. But this is the one thing to keep in mind, too, is that there's a chance that you may see some processing in and out over the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And so as far as the number of scholarships go, they've got as many as they need. Um, As far as the class. Because I was thinking it was 13 or 14 and we had a PWO. And we have five of them get scholarships recently. Right. Yeah, we have five of them get scholarships recently. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. I think we're about, think about 12, right, 12, 12 to 13 yeah. is what we have. But I mean, that, that can change very quickly. I'm going to be absolutely honest. That's that's the only reason why I can't give you an answer. But Eric, thank you. We will we'll dig into that and figure out what those what those availabilities are because this la- next class the one thing to remember too you know as we jump I want to jump in the defensive line next defensive line and secondary next cuz I've got a great question for all of you then we'll get into conference realignment um one thing about uh this class is that this is going to be a large class uh when I talked to Parker Thune on his uh Fizzle Friday from Olipop he meant uh, on the Friday space on Twitter. He mentioned that he anticipated 26 to 28 for this class. I'm thinking closer to 30 and I'm only saying closer to 30 because we might do the processing thing possibly, but Eric, thank you for the, for the 49.99. bless you. Thank you for supporting the channel. We, uh, I'm the anticipation right. is 28 to 30 for me. And now Thune told me a little bit less and he said 26, to 28. I'm anticipating closer to 30 just because it seems like if they got the opportunity to take some real talent that they can develop, why not grab yeah. them all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank y'all for pulling up. Uh, hit that like button. Um, looks like we got about like six fifty nine likes over 200 people in the room. Hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe and join the family. Same thing on the Hall of Fame side. Please show uh, Jason some love as well. Uh, yes, Lloyd, I've heard 28. I don't I don't see us stopping at 30 if there's certain players that decide they want to be a part of this class, especially when we have a really good season. So I anticipate that. Um, if you're listening, like, subscribe, rate, review, and give us five stars. So let's jump into this defensive line because I want to talk about this. The D line was a, of course, a subject of conversation during a lot of the, 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 the tweeting that we saw going on. And I got to ask this question, defensive line. If we go to four man front, what does your defensive line look like? Chris, start with you. (laughs) You sure you want that? I do. (laughs) All right. Okay. Um... Give me a four man. Okay, so inside I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go Dejon Terry. I'm gonna go Isaiah Coe. Kind of hard to keep Kelly out there because Kelly, I just feel that he's just a staple. Um, but if you just ask me, I'm gonna go uh Coe, Terry, and then Bothroyd on one of your uh ends, and then in my opinion, I'd probably go with um um R. Mason Thomas uh slash probably Trace Ford. If if Trace Ford is healthy, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hell for for anybody in front of him to keep him off the field, especially in those third down situations. In my opinion, I think him, PJ Bothroyd, you could see a lot of them. Uh, you were probably gonna see a lot of them on third down, but that would be my right. my four. Okay, I like that. Coop, who you got? Um, I you know <laughs> this is, this is a tough one. It is, um, but I because I, I do we, have, go, we have competitive depth. 
Competitive death. Pee, bro. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go uh, Bothroyd. <laughs> I mean, he is going to be the staple. You know, he's going to be yeah. what we've gotten in, in, in the past. And again, if we're doing a four down um, inside, you got to say that uh, DeJon Terry, just looking at <laughs> him, I mean, it that's just different than what we've had. Um, you know, I, I would say just for sake of a, something different, instead of saying co, I, I'm gonna go uh, G baby, Grayson Hall. Yeah, I was fixing to um, say that, man. Dealer, and uh, a lot of people, you know, a lot of you know, when we talked to Kamori, he was saying, you know, buy it in him, you know, he is tearing it up, but at the same time. They took Jonathan Lalau to you know Big Twelve Media Days, and they expect him mm-hmm. to do something on the field. So if it's a trust thing, and if it's a hey, give us your your best, and I want to talk about him for half a second, is you show up a four man front on a third and six, right? Jonathan mm-hmm. Lalau knows how to drop into coverage. So mm-hmm. you bring when we were talking earlier with the defensive backs, and you bring. Um, an extra blitzer off on the strong side and you have co drop off, you know, on the short side of the field, like that stuff's not, that's not real life, but that's some of the capabilities we have. And then I got to say at the other end, um, our, 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 our Mason Thomas is, is, is going to be a guy, but I think early in the year, maybe we see downs. Um, and, uh, you know, if it's more run heavy, we'll see what he is, uh, ha- has activated in his football psyche and IQ, um, but you know, when it's a third down, when it's a pass rush situation, I, I don't see how trace Ford's not out there because the guy has only done one thing, uh, extremely well, his whole career and that's rush the passer. And so, um, but I wrap that up by saying, look at all the names that we just threw out there. And last year we were thinking like, which one of these guys is going to do anything. Going to get it done. Yeah. Oh, and that's fair. Jason, give me yours. Oh man. <laughs> I know. I wanted to put you on the spot on purpose. I want I wanted yeah, this to be one of those I got to you want to think and then boom throw something out there for now. Somebody's going to clip and aggregate. It's going to go in like four articles or something. Kidding. We're not that popular yet, but we are at 10,000 subs. But go ahead, yeah, Jason, yeah. what are you thinking? We need another applause for that. Uh listen, speaking of Big 12 Media Days, Jonathan Lalau, whoa. You see the dude in person? He's a monster, right? Um and I think that, like you talked about, the his experience at that position, third down, stuff like that, I don't think that you can keep him out of the game. When it comes to Trace, I mean, I think there's a reason that they pushed as hard as they did. If you hear the Oki Light crowd talking about it, that he was always unhealthy. He's not that important. They, there's a reason why Doug Gottlieb was throwing a temper tantrum about him going to OU because of yeah. the fact mm-hmm. that they do know that he was that important. Uh, and when healthy – he certainly is. I, I really hope that he goes in and gets five or six sacks in the game, in the Bedlam game. You know, if he's healthy at that point, I think I think he goes off for that one, for all the crap that he's been hearing. Um, okay. Then, obviously, uh, my favorite of the additions has been um, Rondell Bothroyd, but I also like uh, Devon Sears. I think that he's – I mean, that's somebody I don't think we've talked about yet on here as well. Ethan Downs was a preseason – uh, all Big 12 guy. I know that a lot of people have been down on Ethan a little bit. I think if you, you're you going to see him moving around, I don't see him being an edge guy so much. I think that particularly on these four-man fronts, I'm going to see him moving in 
in maybe a little bit on some of that. And mm-hmm. I think that with his size and strength, I think that he can he can do some good things there. Um, with that frame, you could see him putting on a little more of that bulk. And look, I think one of the things that we're seeing out of the recruiting side of things is a lot of these guys, you know, when we were talking to Nigel Smith on the show uh, this past week, he was talking about being, you know, able to move up and down that line, you know, and, and the fact that that's what he felt like was probably his best asset was being able to move around and and do different things. Right. I think that you're seeing a lot of that. That's, that's, they want guys that are, you know, flexible, that they can do what they need to do with them in certain situations. And I think that, you know, I think Coop kind of hit it on the head right there was saying that, Look at all that depth there we just talked about. I just added some other players that we hadn't even brought up yet, you know? Yep. So think about that. I mean, with Bothroyd, he's been one of my favorite guys. But I also feel like, you know, uh, if we're going to do a four-man front, and, I mean, are we going to keep Desan McCull out of that too? I mean, this is a good problem to have, right? Mm-hmm. This is a good problem to have. So I do feel like, you know, and P.J. Adebowari, good grief. How do we forget that? I was about to say, nobody's even, nobody's <laughs> even brought up the freaking five-star Yeah, Yeah, I ain't got to me yet. That's the reason why none of those players <laughs> been brought up yet. That's kind of the point. But, Jason, you make a good valid one on that. For me, my, my starting four is going to be this. This Now, this is where we'll talk. We're going to do this. But right the week before we'll do this Labor Day weekend, the weekend, the week before our actual first game of the season, because right. uh, again, we'll do this exercise again, because the first three games of the season, I don't think the the, the lineup's going to look the same as it is from the going forward to game four forward. And I say that because right. I think the first three games, we're going to figure out who needs to be where and what we're, how we're feeling. And from there, then you're going to see that big time adjustment right afterwards. So keep, your eyes, if anything, keep your eyes open on that part because I think that that's where things are going to change um, after the first three games when we do that. Basically, that's going to be the evaluation period. We've got three favorable games. We should go out there and dominate regardless, and then we'll know what it looks like. So my defensive line is this. Ethan Downs is definitely going to start. He was on the uh, the preseason uh, All-Big 12. They're True. going to play him as a veteran presence. They'll have him out there. That's one. I think Terry gets out there next to him. I think Isaiah Cole goes next on that line. Then you're on the opposite side. I'm thinking Bothroy pushes his way in and takes that spot. But in the two deep, you're going to see a lot of moving parts. And so if I'm going that, that's my starting four for now. I think that PJ works his way in eventually. I don't know whose job he takes, but I think he does move up. I also think that Grayson Helton moves up too. Uh, even Jonah Olalu, Olalu is also one of those players that's going to be hard to keep off the field. The problem is, which is great, is we've got that competitive depth and we have no clue who truly is going to be the ones that's going to end up keeping the spots going because it's going to be tough. And so I'm going to say this. R. Mason Thomas. Rondell Bothroy, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, not mentioned, Trace Ford, PJ Adeboware, uh, Jonathan Lalau, Grayson Halton, Kevin Gilliam. We haven't said anything. Uh, one of the guys brought it up, hearing Reggie great Grimes? things out of him. Um, <laughs> you know, Co. Dejon Terry, Jordan Kelly. That's not even I'm saying that Devon about. Sears gets better and <laughs> it's ready to go. Um, but again, you want to showcase PJ. 
That's going to be it. And But you don't need to force him out there. You can let him come along. Uh, guys, these first five games, for the love of God, like if we don't see 13 defensive linemen out there, you know, that then, then the season's not what we're hoping it to be. But we're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of guys out there. Yeah, we should see at least eight dudes rotate in and out. Like, oh, on the entire time. If we're going to form in front. Oh no, they brought huh? a stripling down there. I keep forgetting about stripling. Good God, yeah, I'm afraid about it. Oh, see, look at that. See, that go. is the competitive depth that you need if you want to be successful, especially going into the SEC. God, dog it. Yeah. Bro, strip can, bro. If, if <laughs> can ever just stay healthy, bro. Like the the different things that they could they could do with him out there as far as not only edge rush, but, you know, just being able to play, you know, standing up too. I mean, he, I just yeah. feel like that dude is, is a – he's an athlete, man. He can be used yeah. all over. You know, when I um, – there, there's times like in the morning when I'm at the gym or whatnot, need, you know, doing cardio or whatever, and I, need, I just need – I mean, I got to watch OU football. And I go back to the Oregon game, and I'm just like, man, strip. If Ooh, you, chicken. Yeah, chicken. I forgot about Taylor. Went, hey. Well, I'm just like, man. Anheim. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> and Taylor Taylor was running, what did he ran? The fastest of all the linebackers at, you know, just under 210. So, I mean, these kids are still being processed through, like, strength and conditioning. Some of these guys don't even, I mean, I, I, I've dropped this comment before, Chris. I We all just dropped you. Sorry about it. Uh, okay. But, like. Some of these dudes don't even know what they're about to be yet. Yeah. Did did lights? Wait, Coop, did you mention Phil Paia? No, I didn't. Now mean. I know he's hurt right now, but that's another big three hundred. That's right there. I mean, he's what a zero. If you run a if you run a three, a three mm-hmm. man. <sighs> <sighs> Guys, we've we've got a defensive line hey. group. That we should be excited about as far as rotating go. We have enough depth to feel comfortable with playing a lot of dudes, especially because they're already at that size. They've got three hundred. Yeah, and then Lacey is going to play too. We didn't even bring up Lacey. I mean, I know that he's injured, and there's a concern there about whether or not he's going to be able to play this season or not. Uh, I mean, but uh, all of this is cake. Think about this. We've been talking about a lot about this. 2024 class and and who we want there. I mean, you might end up with the greatest, you know, defensive line or defensive class in college football history if it works out the way it looks like it could. Look at where they are right now. You know, look at where they are right now. Just in one year, and and say what you want about last year, guys. This is a different team, a hundred percent. It's. A, you're going to see night and day difference, I think, on this side of the football. And it's such a good – I mean, this. how long has it been since you've been able to say anything like that when it came to the defensive side of the ball, right? It just took – it was a long time ago that the last time you got to say anything like that. Yeah, listen, they've won a lot. They've put a lot of, you know, conference championships up there. You know, they had one year that they probably could have won the national title and didn't. But aside from that, you just hadn't seen a defense that you could have – really competed for it. This is a defense that's yeah. starting off can. You know, if you get the offense to play the way it should, and, I mean, I can see now why is Pearson saying what he's saying about top five? This is why. Because you're going to run droves of guys in there, you know? You, you know, you can bring them in in waves, and that's what you have to do, particularly in the SEC, to compete 
for national championships is bring in defensive linemen in waves. Yeah, no, yeah. I, you're, you're spot on with that one. We, we you got to, you've got to be able to, you got to have starters that you could basically bring in in your rotations. Your rotations have to consist of players that could start at other schools, no problem. And we have that this year so far. And we didn't even get into the freshman Champ Sanders. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, sure I, <laughs> Marcus Strong. <laughs> we ain't talking about none of the young ones either, besides PJ, because PJ is what we consider a freak of nature. So yeah. Um. All right, let's. We got JC uh, Lamb with the two dollars. Bless you. Thank you so much for that uh, contribution. Score prediction for Arkansas State. It's early. We'll go ahead and do it. We're gonna start with Chris. Give me your score prediction for that game. I'm gonna go. It's eleven o'clock game. Remember that. So it's gonna be broad daylight. It's gonna be hotter than Hades outside, and we'll probably be sweating while we thinking about it. I'm gonna go fifty two thirteen. Ooh, that's impressive. Cool. I was going to say 55 13. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Um, Jason? Hey, man. I, we just talked about a night and day difference saying giving up 13 to Arkansas State without Bobby Petrino. Come on. I'm going to go half a hundred to zero. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Jason, I'm on, I'm on the same boat as you. I'm saying 49 zero. Yeah, I'll say 49 zero. I say yeah. that we just score, you know, seven touchdowns and we don't allow a point. If you want me to be honest, this is me. Hot take. Hot take alert. Hot take alert. We don't give up any points the first three games of the season. Oh. Wouldn't surprise me. Well, you're different. Come on now. SMU, SMU will get a get a touchdown or two. Against Why? Them. Okay. Why? Why? Huh? I'm Why? saying the way that they're going to want to play, the way this yeah. defense is going to show out, I can see them trying to go for three straight shutouts. And if they pull that off, mm-hmm. here hey, we go. Christmas. Now, with all this competitive death, I just hope we don't come out there like uh, like, uh, like old boy did, Grinch did during two lane, trying to rotate every, five, every, uh, every, yeah. every snap. That was crazy. <laughs> I don't see us doing that. Thankfully, Grinch is in Southern California. So Hank, glad. this is this is this Along is intriguing. Old, you gave us, you said twenty pepper. points total in the first three games. I can see that. I don't see us going that high. I true. I if we give up points, I'm gonna say ten games over the first three. Ten points over the first three games. Ten points. But I anticipate us pushing for shutouts every game. And if this def- I, I think just, this defense is gonna be mad if they give up right. points. I just, I mean, I, I see what you're saying on that one. Mine is that guys need to come in, settle in, and instead of going and trying so hard up front, um, that you know, it, it may be, a, you know, it may be a little bit of a, um, of a give up, you know, once or twice in these first three games. But these games will never be in doubt. It's not going to be a us going up seven to three over. Uh, watch me call it last year, you know, right before halftime. Like, I don't see that, but I, I, I do see us giving up a little bit just because I think there's going to be so much tinkering with the, the matchups and the, in the lineups um, that, you know, maybe you get some, some of that, but it, it, listen, it, if you want to come on here after game three and say, I told you, then I will 100% be like, okay, you're right. I'll be down for that. Yeah. So, Okay. For example, last season we gave up we gave up a total 
of 30 points combined over the three games. We was getting up 10 points a game. Um, UTEP 13, Kent State was three, and then Nebraska was 14, the first three games last year. Two of those, UTEP and Kent State, were known for their high-octane offenses sure. that play do a lot of plays. Good a lot of plays. Good quarterbacks. And so. in Nebraska, they had Casey Thomas, Thompson, which I know my Texas people in here listening on the Hall of Fame side as well as over here will probably laugh at me naming him, but he wasn't that bad. Nah, Casey was It's okay. just – yeah, but they, they – Nebraska couldn't do anything either on their side. We stopped their run and everything. So – Against similar competition, next year, even though Arkansas State isn't the same as what UTEP or Kent State was last year yeah. or Tulsa. And I think that with, um, yeah, SMU is going to be a lot better than maybe anticipated, but I don't think that they'll be that big of a problem. We should be able to do exactly what I said. We should go for three shutouts. I'm going to send Reggie uh, Pearson a message and say, hey, man, as one of the defensive captains, um, you and Stutzman need to talk to everybody and say, we don't need to give up no points these first three games. So we'll go with that. All right, we're going to wrap. Go ahead, Jason. You got something? I said I think it's fair. <laughs> I think it's fair. All right. Hey, I'm not being unfair on this one, but we're going to be unfair. But thank you all for pulling up to the channel. Hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. We'd love to have you join uh, this college football family. Make sure you show love to Jason as well. Show some thank love to guys. Chris over at the Horns Down Podcast. We're going to be getting that back up and running, especially during the season, doing some live streams after the game, some post-game reactions. Yes, You'll see yes, it on all yes. our channels or whatnot. So, you know, we're going to be stoked about uh, that. All right. Let's wrap this up. You know what? I don't want it to go too long. Got some stuff I've got to do. I thought I was going to be able to get into it. We may, we're going to talk a little bit about conference realignment, really little, but we may touch on it more on Jason's show on a Tuesday night. Uh, so y'all probably should make sure y'all hit that notification bell whenever you get to Jason's channel because it's going to be a long conversation on conference realignment, especially now that we know some things. But I wanted to talk about this. Real quick, this is what college football looked like back in the early 2000s, right? This was back in the young days. You know, we actually had the Big Ten with 10 teams. You had the Big 12. The Pac-10 existed at that time. That the Big 12 had 12 teams. Broke you know, you had a Big East. You had the SEC. Man, you had – and they you know, had all of that, right? That was, you know, a big deal for all of us. But Big 12 decided they're going to snatch up everybody. And I'm going to be honest. This is the one thing I do have to say on it. And I actually plan on doing another show to talk about this later this week as this breaks down. I do think college football is officially dead based upon the way we know it. While at the same time, I think that college football is about to get a hell of a lot more interesting moving forward. So talk to me. Chris, how do you feel about Big 12's additions to their team? Um, hey, you know, I, I, I commend them on what they what they did. They kept they kept it alive. This is nothing that Jason, um, Jay, this is nothing that we haven't talked about for the past, I want to say four or five months. Yep. We talked about it on my show. We talked about it on everybody's show. Um, we said these are teams that they need to go and get. They need to get them in the worst way. Uh, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. These teams are Big 12 teams. Why stop there? Go get Stanford. There's no reason that you can't go get Stanford. Um, but at the same time, I mean, getting these teams right here, you know, it, it just brings up a, another interesting point. You know, 
hey, I know that we're not Oki like fans, but I will say this going into, you know, the Big 12 next year without the addition of these new teams now. I thought, hey, Oklahoma State has no 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 excuse anymore not to run run the Big Twelve now that OU and Texas is out. But when you look at it each year, it's it's going to be different. It could be it could be BYU one year. It could be Texas Tech one year. Mm-hmm. It could be very well be Houston or Baylor. It could be K State running it for for um, X amount of many years. And you know what's interesting? Arizona and Arizona State. Arizona State for sure with with the new coach, the new life that they have in that program. And let's not forget, Herm Edwards got a new coach too, man. Around. He's a stud. Yeah, Herm Edwards turned the program around. Let's let's yeah. let's not act like he didn't get it in total disarray and then bring in you know really good talent there. So I'm sure that they're going to do some things in the Pac-12. But this is a this is a great um, th- this was a great. I guess counter to losing OU in, in in Texas. Does it move the needle like Ty would say? I would say no, but it does enough to keep you relevant and keep you in the in the P5 uh conversation. Sure. Um my biggest point, and I'll expand on this on on uh when we have more time, but you know, riding home talking to my uncle, I said, Unc, you know, all this really does is give the committee more and more power and say so over basically expanding the playoffs yet again that's all it does this 12 game playoff this 12 game playoff is done as we know and if they oh yeah i if they don't fix that i don't know what they're going to do because obviously when one of these conferences reaches 20 teams do they actually go ahead and just do their own national championship or whatever the case may be but at the end of the day like I said, I, I think that all this does is just really increase the expansion talks, but that's a different that's a different topic for another day. Yeah, that's a long that's a long conversation because yeah. I actually had a college football playoff question too, but we'll wait. We we may get to it, but uh, Jason, talk to me. Adding these additional teams, how you feel about it? I think that they just made the most competitive league in the country more competitive. Uh, you know, you've got, you know. The Arizona schools are a nice ad, I think, basketball-wise more than anything. I, I do think they're going to be better in football as the years go along. But when you look at Colorado with Coach Prime, when you look at Coach Witt at Utah, if you are forgetting about Utah, you're out of your freaking mind because this yeah. dude has done more with less for a long time, and he just opened up a pipeline that he already had into Dallas even wider, okay? They're going to be in the state of Texas a lot, and that's that's already he's already done a great job recruiting there. Same thing with Colorado. But listen, don't forget about some of these legacy schools either. And and there's there's other teams that are just entered. I think BYU is a major player here. I think that UCF at some point will become one because of Florida. Um, but let's not forget about some of these legacy teams. When you got Joey McGuire and what they're doing at Tech, being in the top twenty five of recruiting last year, that's huge. They've already beaten out Texas on one of the top wide receivers in the country this season. They have every guy that's going to be in their quarterback room will have been an elite 11 stud, right? Um, they're getting it done. And, and this is all considering the fact that Joey McGuire is a defensive coach. <laughs> He's a defensive coach. If you ask a lot of people at, at Baylor even, what was the reason that they won the Big 12 two years ago? It was because of Joey McGuire. And that's not – no shade at no shade at Aranda, but there are a lot of folks that will tell you that. He worked – he was with Matt Rule. He was the continuity into Dave Aranda. 
I think that it's a big deal, man. I really do. And he was the he was the president of the Texas High School Coaches Association. He has relationships all over that state that not many people have. The problem, the hard thing for Texas Tech is going to be to keep him. That's it. It's going to be to keep him because when Sark or Jimbo choke it up, which we know they will, uh, they're going to go after a guy like that, right? Because Texas that's the equivalent of being the Texas High School Coaches Association president is similar to being the head coach at Texas, right? It, it's kind of similar to that. So yeah, it's money. Know, yeah. is the connections and stuff like that with, that you have throughout the state. It, I don't think that it can be overstated how, how important that is to Tech. TCU ain't going nowhere either. You know, TCU ain't going nowhere. Sonny knows what he's doing. They've, they've pulled in. One of the guys on my channel was telling us from our stream last night, hey, man, they've killed it in the portal. They've killed it in recruiting. You know, they're going after these guys, and their offense could be better. I don't know about their offense being better necessarily this year. I think it's kind of similar to what happened at OU last year. That's going to take a year to kind of get there. And I do still feel like they're going to have a little bit of a hangover. You get 67 hung on you in the national title game in front of God and everybody, that's going to hurt a little bit coming into the next season. That being said, I don't think that they're going anywhere. I, I believe in Sonny Dykes and, and K-State. Come on, man. Chris Kleiman is one of the best coaches in the country also. that You may not have heard about him, but he won how many national championships at the lower level? You know, like six, yeah, seven? point. You know, and and he's look. Are they gonna are they gonna step in there? And is their champion better than the SEC champion, or or necessarily maybe even the Big Ten champion? I don't know, but I know that their champion is gonna be battle tested when they get there. That's a good point, Coop. How you feeling on all of this? I'll flip the switch on you guys. Ooh, this conference is still an afterthought. It's not as bad as the Pac-12, but don't don't play it's there's there's no an actual blue blood representation in here and this conference is going to get absolutely you know doubted until they do it on the field against somebody like an ohio state a michigan oklahoma alabama lsu georgia that's that's just the plain and simple piece of it now Filling out the bracket in freaking March for this conference is going to be freaking badass. Like this is this has got some clout. And listen, I know who Utah is. I, I'm a massive Utah proponent. Um, but when you look down here, the I mean, none of these none of these guys. I mean, Big Twelve is the third best conference, top to bottom, sure. behind the SEC and Big Ten. Um, but you still have Florida State you still have Clemson in the ACC. Now that damn thing is doomed too. We're when, where, where's the 120 million going to be coming from? That's going to be the big question. Right. And, but it, it, we've seen it, right in the, <laughs> right in the middle of COVID when money was in an all time low, the bigger schools were still spending a, a ridiculous amount of money. So, but when I look at this conference, yes, it's going to be extremely competitive. You can look at each one of these teams going into each one of these seasons and go, I can make a case for half of the teams to win. I can make, you know, try making a preseason Big 12 team next year going into the year because we've seen what Baylor can do. We've seen what TCU can do. We've seen what Utah did. We've seen that UCF can put a product product on the field. Kansas is still Kansas. They got lightning in a bottle right now, but as soon as he's done or if he can't keep healthy, they're still Kansas. 
West Virginia, dude's fighting for his job. Iowa State, um, you know, I'm not going to bet on them. Hey, oh. Um, but then uh, Oklahoma State, uh, <laughs> Gundy, more than ever has a uh, – I mean, he's got everything out in front of him. Uh, Kansas State still has the opportunity. Cincinnati's going to be on a downswing for a little bit. Um, you look at when West Virginia and TCU came into the league. I believe the first se- the first year in the league uh, into the Big 12, they were five and six apiece. And then they, the next year, they both won two games also. And that was a big jump. These new schools, they, they're not coming from a smaller conference. They're coming from like and similar conferences. So I, I expect an absolute bloodbath within this conference next year. You're going to see a champion with three or four losses, potentially. Um, you've just got... A, 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 and that's saying that prime does something. Arizona continues on the Arizona state continues on the uptick. Arizona has their stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if Kansas does continue a little bit with their uptick right now, you don't have a, a crap team, but when you, when you truly look at the conference comparisons, these guys are just this, you know, you look at this, and this is like when you play a video game and you're hoping to get Alabama or Clemson or Oklahoma or something like that. And you get one of these, you're like, oh, OK, you know, right. so that's I mean, that's that's my say on it. Is it great? Yes. You you outlasted and you outmaneuvered Brett Yormark. You, you are a champion and you helped you right. know usher in the 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 slide of the Pac-12 and it wasn't you. So that's a win. I have an extremely long-winded answer around this, and so I'm going <laughs> to save that for a special episode that I'm going to stream on the channel probably like Wednesday or Thursday because there is so much to what's going on in this conference alignment that makes me happy, also upsets me. But I'm going to say it this. I'll make it even – I'll wrap it up in something simple for all of us. I like that the Big 12 decided to do to – the other conferences, what they tried to do to the Big 12. The Big 12 was left for dead. The Big 12 was the conference that everybody said was done. They were the conference that was cooked, especially when Oklahoma and Texas decided to leave because we also looked at it like, look, we can't bring any additional. We were Big 12 with 10 teams for a while, and the Big 10 was the Big 10 with 12, then 14, and then 16 teams. It was at that point that everybody said the Big 12 was dead. And honestly – I was in that party too. But the funny thing is, and the Pac-12 had the opportunity to they put the nail in the coffin dead. in the You're Big right. 12, and they didn't do yeah. it. So yep. because of that, they let this dead man keep walking, and the dude got healthy and took him out. And so I like the fact that they got these cornerstone schools. Just like you said, Coop. You said as well, Jason. I'm going to be excited about basketball. The Big 12 now, and whatever number they're going to be, they're a basketball conference now. Because hoops are going to be legit. They're going to battle the ACC for the best hoops in the country, period. This is going to be fun to watch. It's not even close anymore, right? I mean, it's going to be fun. Well, especially because UNC and Duke are old. They're old though, but yeah. well, they have new coaches. They don't have any, they, they have they have a whole new setup. So we don't have okay. the old heads. We don't have Shashevsky. We don't have Roy Williams. And Roy Williams. Yeah. Exactly. So technically, we're looking at a situation where the young bloods of college basketball really are running things in the Big Twelve with Baylor, with o, uh with Baylor, O State. Honestly, you know, we'll give them props. Kansas still be is it, it, no Houston. recent national champs. Houston, Arizona. Um, other thing that I'm happy to see is that we've got the Holy War back. I oh, know yeah. that be, that Utah wasn't very happy about following BYU, but guess what? 
Give us the holy war. I like to watch y'all duke it out. Y'all hate each other. Yeah. And that's just like it's the hate in that rivalry. I mean, to the point of Utah fans argue with Jason and me and a few people on Twitter about not coming to the Big 12 specifically because BYU was there. And I'm just like, y'all stupid. Like, this will be perfect. Y'all come in, beat up on BYU, keep the Holy War going. Everybody's going to watch that match. They're going to watch that yep. match. It's worth watching. It is must-see TV at this point. So, but bring in Arizona, Arizona State. Thought that was great. Gesture that Arizona wanted to bring State with them just to keep that rivalry going in what capacity they could because what's going on in Big Ten, which we will do on another show, man, we've lost a lot. Outside of that, I am in every way, shape, or form excited at the fact that we got, we got, is Chris back? Chris ain't back yet. We got a new Big 12 conference as they decided to uh, teach everybody a lesson in regards to uh, why they deserve to still be sticking around. So, outside of that, we're going to wrap this bad boy up, put a bow on it. Thank y'all for pulling up to the show. Jason, we're going we're gonna to give y'all the opportunity real quick to give your parting shot or parting thoughts before we wrap up the show, what you got for the people? You got one minute. Hey, Tuesday live. Uh, we will be going live on Tuesday, 8.30 Eastern as normal on our live show. Coop will be on with us. I hope Jay will be on with us and Chris as well. We'll see how that all goes, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for everybody to be on. The coach will be back as well. Uh, listen, we're going to be talking some conference realignment, but we're going to start getting into these deep dives into the season of these, these Big 12 teams for the 23 season. And uh, we'll definitely be talking some realignment as well. Uh, you can find us at hofmedia.us. That'll take you everywhere we want to be. Uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, then obviously uh, CFB-pod. Hey, become a channel subscriber, not only to my show, but right here on Unfair Sports as well. Get access to those discords and, and members-only content because it's coming. Yep. As we're growing, a lot's coming. Too. Cool. Give us a pardon shot for the people. I will say with all four of us on here today, that is some true competitive depth. So I'm empty, but uh, Solange, cheers to everybody. Um, here's here's what I say is we got 27 days, right, till, uh, till, till game time. And this team is has a completely different mindset. This team has a completely different uh, mentality. They will know what they're doing. And if you've done anything like, sure, you can be good at swinging the golf club the first time that you get out the golf cart. But the people who are good at it are the people who've been doing it consistently for a long time. And now this the staff is coming on two years. It is game time right around the corner. And there is a, a, a part of me that says, everybody, take a step back. Realize what last year was. Look at the this year's, you know, with with uh, with positivity, and you can throw those crimson colored glasses on too, because you know I I think we're all going to be wearing them. Um, we've got a competition with Texas going on this year for this conference, and I would love for OU and Texas to run this thing out and be like deuces, bitches, on the way out <laughs> in the Big Twelve championship game with us stomping a mud hole in their butt, reminding them where they're at because they haven't been back. They're not back. They're better but they're still not back. That's hilarious. That's a good one. Chris, one minute. Give us your pardon shots. What you, what right. you feeling? What you thinking? Anything you got? 
This is what I'm thinking, okay? 13 and 12 over the past two seasons, five and seven the first season. You went, what, eight and five the last season. Um, you were coming out there with a guy you're calling Quintavious now, a.k.a. Mullet Boy. Um, you're going to Alabama, and you're taking them lightly simply because you don't believe they've solidified their quarterback room. You believe that you have the best, one of the best, if not the best quarterback room. Uh, Texas, I'm talking about you. I'm not happy with you guys. I, I'm not pleased. I, I'm not impressed. Um, I've seen Texas do this year in, year out. You've done it with three different coaches. Charlie Strong, you guys had talent on that team. Uh, you come out with Tom Herman, you guys had talent on that team. You couldn't beat us at your worst. Now, coming into this season, I, like I said, I'm in a show-me state. You guys got to show me, okay? Not not going 9-3, and three, okay? Don't care about Sark finally getting nine wins. What I care about is Sark actually winning a Big 12 championship on his way out. Show me. Grab the conference by his throat. Show me what you're really about, okay? But, but if you don't, then you need to kind of sit down and be quiet because y'all y'all want to sit there with the big boys at the big boy table simply because y'all can buy y'all way in. But you haven't won your way in. You haven't earned your way in. So that that's just kind of my parting shot right there. Thirteen and twelve over the past two seasons, but we're sitting here talking about Texas possibly winning the national championship with what? With what record and with what precedent have they set that they're going to win? That's just my party shot. I'm sorry, horns down. And, and Chris, I, I'm I'm going to crawfish on what? my previous statements <laughs> a little bit further back. Alabama won the national ship championship with Jake Coker at quarterback. So yeah. I have now taken my chips back. I did not go all in on that. I think Texas can go to Alabama because here's my thing: wins an animal, wins a creature, the most dangerous. When they feel backed into a corner, yep. Nick Saban has heard Georgia is the new it. Oh, Alabama's no. done. What? He's going to retire. <laughs> it's it's. I, I listen. I'm all in for week two uh, for an absolute embarrassment. It we're going to catch some fallback on it too, as though you guys because they're going to be like, see, Texas ain't ready. OU's not going to be ready. That's what it's like. Come playing the big boys. No, what? no. Listen, expectations in Texas, <laughs> oil and water. All right. Well, y'all got y'all heard it from the people. We're going to wrap this bad boy up. Thank y'all for pulling up to the channel. Uh, we do have the discord. You can find the link inside the description below. We appreciate y'all love and support always. Um, rate us, review us, give us five stars. If you're listening to us, uh, make sure you hit the like and the subscribe button if you're new to the channel. And with that, everybody, all the gents will let you all know. Check out their channels and uh, show them some love. We will chalk it up with all of you um, soon. Peace.